When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Like most parents, getting your twins to sleep on a regular routine can be a huge challenge. In desperation to get some sleep yourself, you might be Googling sleep training and finding an overwhelming amount of information on the internet. What is truly effective when it comes to twins? Are there good alternatives to cry it out? When should you start sleep training? Today we're talking about sleep training methods for twins. This is Twin Talks. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Well, welcome to Twin Talks. Twin Talks is your online, on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. I'm your host, Christine Stewart-Fitzgerald. Have you subscribed to the Twin Talks newsletter? It's a great way to learn about new episodes when they're released. If you want episodes automatically downloaded to your mobile device, then please subscribe to our show through iTunes or download the free Twin Talks app. And here's Sunny with details on how you can get involved with Twin Talks. All right. So we are recording our shows a little bit differently. And this is a huge benefit for all of our listeners because it makes it easier than ever for you guys to join the conversation. So we're all twin parents and we know how difficult it is just to have a few moments of sanity away from your kids, right? So um, it, it's difficult, right, to kind of plan stuff out. And so we've made it as simple as we possibly can for you guys to join our episode. So we record everything now straight from our own computers, which is a little bit different than what we were doing before where we were meeting more of a studio type of environment. And so we have a Facebook group that we post all of our topics and the times that we're planning to record everything. And it's a great group to join if you're interested in being part of our shows. And then that way, when we post something, you can just let us know if it's something that you're interested in. And you literally only need your computer, uh, the uh, Google Chrome internet browser, and a, a good internet speed. And if you have those three things, you can join our shows from wherever you're at, whether you're somewhere in the U.S. or even outside of the U.S., as long as you can access a link that we'll give you, um, you can join the show. So it's a great way to now be part of this conversation. And we're really looking forward to having these conversations with twin parents all over the world. So uh, that's a great way that you can participate in our shows. All right. Well, we've got a great group of parents with us today. So let's meet our parents who are joining us. And uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your family, and your experience with today's topic. Hi, I'm Jules Mess. I'm in Seattle, Washington. My husband and I have five-year-old triplet girls. I'm a freelancer with a, uh, a blog called Massive Miracle. Uh, it doesn't get updated as much as I'd like, but my experience with sleep training is um, one of the nice things about being in the NICU is they put us all in the same room, but that put us on a different half hour schedule. So when we came home, there was a baby waking up every 30 minutes, which if they, you know, every two hours, that means you feed someone, feed someone, feed someone, and then you get 20 minutes till the next kid wakes up. So yeah, 
<laughs> fun. It was a long process and we tried a lot of things. Hi. So I'm Crystal. I'm from the Washington, D.C. area, and I have twins. They're turning six this month, so we've light at the end of the tunnel. Woohoo! <laughs> they, yeah, it was, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a challenge the first one, two years, but this is a good stage. So they were in the NICU for just two weeks, but like Jules, they were put on a schedule and that schedule was an hour apart. So when they got home, we were trying to maintain that, but you get a 50 minute break before, you know, the next feeding starts again. So I, by six weeks, I was running on, on fumes and needed to figure some stuff out for myself. And that's when we got into what I like to term as sleep coaching instead of sleep training. And I know we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more in depth about maybe the differences or, or the philosophies about them. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and Garrett, we have our dad with us today. So uh, my name is Garrett Massey. I am owner of Cozy Babe, the world's greatest swaddles. I have a single that is four and turning five in the end of April. And I have twins. They are turning three at the end of April. And uh, the first uh, baby, when we got her home, we had her sleeping through the night uh, by four weeks. And um, we've had great success keeping a a good schedule and getting her into bed, even when we have parties and everything. And people always surprise that that she's able to go down. And uh, with the twins, we had them sleeping through the night at six weeks. So we have had some really great success um, with being consistent with some of the uh, the routine and getting them into bed. And um, so I'm excited to share that with everybody. All right. And we'll turn it over to Sunny. Yeah. So um, I'm Sunny and I'm the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces this show as well as our, our other podcast. And uh, I have four kids, uh, two boys. Those are my singletons, uh, ages five and three. And then I have identical twin girls that are about two and a half years old. And I will say, as far as sleep is concerned, um, all of my kids are pretty good sleepers. And I know everyone hates me when I say that. But I will say, and I'm not really sure what contributed to this, but I think my boys were better sleepers than my girls. And obviously, it's way different when you have twins and they might be sleeping in the same room and waking each other up. And I also breastfed my twins a lot longer than I breastfed my boys. So I think all of these factors may have kind of come into it. Um, But overall, I would classify them as pretty good sleepers. And uh, can certainly share more about that as we continue with the conversation. All right. And I'm your host. I'm Christine Stewart-Fitzgerald. I have a singleton girl who is three, and she was a little bit of a tough sleeper, I'll have to say, compared to my twins who are now six years old. And, um, you know, I think we, we took a very managed approach. So um, they were not that bad, thankfully. <laughs> so sometimes I have to say I do have empathy for singleton moms who do say, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm not getting any sleep with singletons. I think there are valid points out there. <laughs> when you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. 
So before we get going with our conversation today, our main discussion about sleep, I did find a news headline that I like to share these nice, heartwarming stories, these stories that it, it really would take a miracle in order for something like this to happen. And it looks like that's exactly what happened. So there was a mom, is a mom. Her name is Jade Ward. Uh, at the time, she was 23 years old. I believe she's probably still 23. When she was four years old, she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, which apparently is a pretty aggressive cancer. And she underwent a lot of different cancer treatments. And if you can imagine a four-year-old going through all of this, obviously some really heavy stuff. And, um, you know, there was concern from her parents, even at a young age, that this could impact her fertility later in life. And so she was kind of told growing up that it probably wasn't going to happen for her. She probably wasn't going to be able to have kids. And so fast forward many, many years, and uh, she's 23 years old, or perhaps a little younger than that, meets her husband, her now husband, and uh, they decide they want to have a family. And so she goes and talks to a fertility specialist, and they pretty much say, yeah, it's it's really not going to happen for you. You're not ovulating. And so she kind of gives up on this dream. She still gets married, and it's just... One of those, again, this is a miracle story um, that she was feeling really nauseous um, one morning or maybe several mornings in a row. Uh, never imagined that she could actually be pregnant, but decided to take a pregnancy test just to be certain. And her test came back positive. <laughs> and then she went in uh, just to confirm the pregnancy. So probably a couple weeks later or whatever, a few weeks. And they originally told her that she was having twins. And she was super duper excited about that. And then a little bit later, she was getting another ultrasound and the ultrasound tech said, how many kids do you think you're having? How many babies do you think you're having? And she said two. And she said, well, you may want to add a, you know, a third onto that one. So she was indeed pregnant with triplets and had the babies successfully and everything turned out really well. And uh, I just saw the article online and I thought, you know, it's really good for us to hear these kind of stories because this was a completely natural, miraculous thing that happened. She didn't, you know, undergo any kind of treatments and stuff. She didn't even know this was possible. And so I just wanted to give hope to other parents out there that may be struggling with something that uh, miracles do happen. And I, I don't know, from my own personal experience, I went through some infertility as well. And, uh, it's really scary, you know, and, and you just don't know what's going to happen. Did anyone else um, on, you know, today's call, did anyone else go through any kind of infertility? Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary. Well, like for us, it was, it was really long. And uh, we were actually at the end of our journey, which was 10 years uh, long. Wow. And, that is uh, a long journey. Ours really, well, again, what I call my blog massive miracle because we had tried several rounds of uh, IVF and didn't have enough eggs or this or that. Anyway, it's a long story, but basically we put in our last two frozen eggs and didn't expect it to work. We only put in two eggs. Oh, it's one. Oh, it's two. Oh, it's one. And they're like, yeah, you have three. <laughs> so we were, yeah. And everybody's fine. So, I mean, it just, the chances of everything that we've ended up with were just mine. Yeah. So, yeah. I can completely identify with yeah. thing. We have so many friends that have had troubles and then they've finally decided to uh, you know, adopt or go with another route. And then uh, at the very end of it, just by chance, happen to get pregnant when they're not expecting it. So, yeah, I'm trying. 
Yeah, it's an awesome story. I'll make sure I post it to our Facebook page for Twin Talk. So if you guys want to check it out, you can learn a little bit more about the mom. And she's got some great pictures of her and her triplets now. So again, just a great story, a nice heartwarming story. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Well, we're here today with Jen Varela, a gentle sleep expert from Sugar Night Night. And today we're talking about sleep training methods for twins. Okay, so Jen, we know sleep, we, we hear about sleep training all the time. And is it a new phenomenon or has it been around? And, you know, why is it all the rage? It's definitely been around. It's not new. But I, I do agree with you that it does seem to be such a hot topic at this point, especially, and I'm going to say in America. So I think mm-hmm. it's almost a better question to say, is this really, why is this all the rage in America versus why is this all the rage right now? Because I think in other cultures, I'm not sure if it's such a hot topic as it is for ours. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think some of it has to do with the fact that we don't live in villages anymore. You know, the nuclear family has changed so much that we just don't have the same kind of support available. I work with families all the time that they're the only, you know, they don't have any family in their city or even within driving distance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it can get really daunting, especially if you have twins, right? In our culture, we move at a really fast pace and we have things pretty scheduled. So I think we kind of want the babies to fit into that schedule a bit. And so I think some of that plays a part. And then especially here in our culture as women, you know, we go back pretty early to work compared to like some of the European countries as far as, you know, how long maternity leave is. So I think think all those factors play a big part in why sleep training has become so important because of how our culture is and how our lifestyles are? I think it starts so young, you know, as once you bring the baby home, you're starting the sleep training and you're creating a routine and you're creating good habits and bad habits, being consistent with swaddling, with breastfeeding, with having a a nighttime routine, not keeping the babies stimulated when it's supposed to be sleep time and going through that process. And as they start to change and be bigger and and moving around, you know, still being consistent with a process, no matter what your process is. And for us, it's, you know, we would give the baby a bath, then we would uh, sing a song, read a book, sing a song, and then it's night, night time. And that was the same routine for the, the twins as it was for our single. And, you know, there were times where you were having to do, and we were doing like a nanny 911 kind of thing. You were watching it, you know, you go in, you say it's night night time and then you lay them back down or you sing the song one more time and then you give them a minute and then you go out and then it's hard because then they're crying for you and then you go back in sing night night time go back out for two minutes and you start in- increasing the time between and uh, that seemed to work really well for us um, but it is hard when there's just like crying for you and, and you're like oh man you know but they're full their diapers are changed and everything's good so if you're being consistent from day one with with their sleep process, then it'll be easier when they get bigger. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I, uh, my, my family, we 
did a mixture of many different things, um, taking the baby's um, needs as our basis for starting any sort of thing that we tried. But we did have things that we wanted to do that matched what Garrett was just saying. We wanted to have bath story bedtime, and we worked that into our plan. But we specifically uh, eventually started to use a 90-minute sleep program, which um, I had a book by Polly Moore that helped us a great deal because one of the reasons we eventually started doing an active sleep training was because, again, going back to that you know hour and a half rolling schedule of just feeding them on demand and making sure they were taken care of, we were finding ourselves in the situation where it was taking us two hours to put a baby down. At night, like, why is this taking so long? And I happened to have this book, and I read it, and it was talking about how there's this eighty minute, ninety minute sleep cycle, and if you um, try and put the baby down after you've missed their sleepy zone, then you have they're going to be awake again for another ninety minutes. And we're like, oh my god, that's exactly what's happening. And the great thing about that book is that it talked about you know nap schedules and um, how to look for the signals in your children about when they're tired and how to work that into their days so that um, you can be flexible with what your child needs. And that's really hard when you have three at the same time, but it made us able to come up with a way to have a daily schedule that allowed for having naps. And we were really strict about, you know, we have to do naps. It's inconvenient for us, but it's what our children need. And so eventually Mm -hmm. down the line after about, I want to say when they were eight months old, we finally had them all on the same schedule, but it took a long time to get them adjusted to that. Yeah. Naps are so important. I I think uh, one thing that I always uh, advise my friends on is whatever your process is, make it something that you can do anywhere. Not that, oh, you have to be in a certain spot of the house at a certain time at a certain angle. You know, if you have a certain blanket or a certain song or something that you can bring with you anywhere, then you're not going to be tied to, Oh shoot, you know, I have to be home in 30 minutes. So, or else Jimmy's not going to go to sleep and then I'm going to be pulling my hair out. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's imp- important to make sure you can do it anywhere when you're planning to not make it. So it's just at one certain location. Yeah. There's the idea of being consistent and having structure and then having flexibility as well. Now I'm going to turn this back over to Jen and your thoughts. And also, can you, you know, tell us a little bit about some of the different terms where, you know, I'm hearing sleep training, sleep coaching and night weaning. Can you kind of explain what the difference of those, what it really means? Sleep training is basically when you use a certain regiment to uh, adjust your child's sleep behavior. Sleep training often really uh, brings about the thought that it's all about tears and it's only tears. And I think it, you know, it comes with kind of a weighted feel about it. Sleep coaching is a new, more of a term, I guess, and it doesn't quite hold the same emotional currency. And it can be what you're doing over more of a long period of time, having to do with sleep hygiene and then teaching your child how to fall asleep on their own and self-regulate. So sleep is a learned skill and definitely temperament plays a lot into that. We can talk about that. But when you look at some of the strategies on how you would go about teaching your child to self-soothe. Night weaning comes up a lot too in that same context. And night weaning isn't necessarily required in order to have your child learn how to self-soothe. 
So night weaning is often associated with sleep training, but in my opinion, it doesn't have to be that you have to night wean in order to sleep train. There are some little ones that you maybe you do need to get down to one feed versus multiple feeds so that they can get a consistent answer from you. And it's not so much intermittent reinforcement, but with regards to sleep training, uh, night weaning isn't necessarily a must in that. So does that kind of help clarify a little bit? And so it sounds like this is kind of just one component of, hey, what's working best for your family and the, the needs of the family. Um, now, specifically talking to the, the families of twins, um, which is a specialty in of itself, as we all know, um, it's a little bit different than than singletons. Um, what are some of those those common needs that you see, which don't necessarily apply to singletons? So I think one really big one is that when you have twins, you really just don't have the luxury of letting your baby sleep until they wake to eat, right? I think the the reality is that if you've if you've got more than one and you don't get them on the same feeding schedule, um, it is a little bit precarious as to when you will get any sleep. For a singleton, it's a little bit more of a luxury that I don't think, um, as you know, parents of twins that you guys get to have. I also find it so interesting that, you know, there's a gazillion different books out there, right? On how to help your babies be able to self-soothe. And probably the one thing they all agree about is that uh, with regards to multiples, um, you might have to compromise their theory. So I think that's so <laughs> funny, right? They realize, oh, maybe my book doesn't work exactly perfect for twins um, or multiples. And uh, Dr. Polly Moore even says it's okay to break the glass on the emergency box to manipulate the sleep schedules. So <laughs> I think I think that's funny, right? So there's there's real life, and then there's what the book says. Um, and then I think the last one um, is the reality. You really probably do need nighttime help, whether that's each parent takes a baby or you divide up the night in shifts, or maybe you can get some outside help. And I think, you know, with, with singletons, with a two-parent family, having the other parent be involved with it, you know, the dad, you know, might with singletons, that might seem like, you know, a luxury, but honestly, it's all hands on deck when you've got multiples. You know, I have to say that's really interesting that you can talk about understanding the principles. And then when it sounds like when you plays out, sometimes you have to apply it slightly differently to your twins because they each have individual needs. And I think that's a really important element that we as parents, you know, have to remember that they are individuals. They're not just a unit. So I'm sure our, our twin experts would agree with that. Um, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of these common sleep training methods that, that we've been discussed. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Well, welcome back. Today we're talking with Jen Varela of Sugar Night Night about some common sleep training methods. And you know, Jen, I know there are a ton of books out there about sleep training, but I think from you know what we're hearing, it really boils down to about three specific types of sleep training methods. So can you tell us about how that, you know, shakes out? 
Yes, sure. Be my pleasure. I think I think you always have to ask yourself the first question, which is what is the baby asking for? Is the baby asking to be held, rocked, nursed in your arms to sleep? And so when you ask that little one to do some of the work so that you're not doing all the work for them, that is when you're starting to modify your answer to them, right? And asking them to not have you do all the work for them. So when you think about sleep training or sleep coaching, you're really looking at what is the answer that you're going to give to your little one in order for them to learn how to self-regulate. And so let's just take that piece of it. There's really three methods, but there's a lot of different names. So the first one is cry it out. And basically the answer to that question is kiss, cuddle, I love you. You're going into the crib. And I will return in the morning and you're going to work this out in here. And so it's a method that allows the baby to cry for a specific period of time before the parent will offer comfort. So it's probably the most strict method of all the methods. And with that comes a lot of different opinions. There is a lot of science behind it. And it is something that when parents are looking at what's the fastest method, if you were going to pick the fastest method, that would be it. However, it does not work for all temperaments of children. And I don't think there's anything out there that can really give you an accurate answer as to how long is okay to let your baby cry. So that really also can be very much dependent on child to child also. So that's first method. The second method is graduated extinction or controlled crying or fervor or time checks. The answer to the question is kiss, cuddle, I love you. You go into the crib. I'm going to leave for a period of time and then I will come back. So usually you start with small increments of time, three to five minutes. Then you come in, kiss, cuddle, I love you. You typically don't pick up. Uh, You don't stay for much longer than two minutes and then you leave. And then you keep coming back in at increments that are a little longer and a little longer and a little longer. And so the answer to the question is, Mom and dad always come back, but you do need to work this out in here. The third method of sleep training has a gazillion names. Pick up, put down, shush down, pat down, kinder, shuffle. (laughs) And it's basically fading. And fading is when you stay with the child, asking them to do a little more and a little more of the work as you are staying with them. And so that's basically overall the three methods. Now there's different things that you can do to support those three methods, which have to do with routines and environment and wake windows and all of that. But as far as the actual behavioral piece, there's really three methods. So just going to our parents here. So which of these seem to work for you? We we did the fading, the graduated Ferber method where we would put them down for five minutes and let them cry. And then we'd come back and then we'd put them down and by seven minutes, and we, we gradually built up until they, they learned how to do it themselves. And it was it was tough because we had two kids in one room and one in by herself. It was it was tough on me too because of the hormones. I just I had a really hard time listening to them cry. I had to go outside and like and my husband was with me when we did this, so he would go in and take care of them if they really needed it because I my instinct was just to go in there and fix it. And so it was really hard on me, but I, I don't know if it was as hard on them. We did the graduated extinction as well, like go in for two minutes, out for two minutes, then four, and then, you know, 
increasing from there. But before I was confident enough to do that, I had to make sure that all my other ducks were in a row. Like I had to know that, you know, they've been feeding well throughout the day and that they've been well rested on their naps. And, you know, I kind of did a checklist of things before I took that approach. So it sounds like you're looking at it from the the, the biological standpoint, and I think incorporating yes. what we talked about earlier, some of those those different cycles and looking at their individual needs, and you could kind of customize that. Because I think, you know, kind of what Jen said earlier is that there's there's a lot of different books out there that will talk about the the nuances of, of each of these. But as a parent, I think you just have to find what works for you, and their biology is going to be different, and their temperaments are different, and... Um, it's, it's not a one size fits all approach. No. And it's not easy. Like when you, when you do something that involves any type of crying or letting your baby, they're so tiny and they're so young. And I'm a first time parent, a lot of first time parents, we all, you know, we don't know what we're doing. And so we're making an executive decision when we start doing sleep training. And, and for me, you know, I wanted to be confident in what I was doing. I didn't want to feel timid or uncertain because I knew consistency was like key to all of this. And the only way I could be consistent was to know that I had at least like an ounce of faith in in what I was doing. So that's why, you know, I really looked at all the other elements before I went to the night training. And and I have to just applaud you as a sleep mm-hmm. coach listening to you talk. It is so fun to hear how you have really looked at the science and you've looked at your individual child and you've gone, okay, how can I meet this individual child's needs, but be, you know, making an educated decision. And when I do a lot of workshops and I always talk about the biology of sleep first, because if you can set them up for success physically by doing the right wake windows and making sure they're getting enough sleep in the 24 hours and, 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 and then you also go, okay, and what's the answer to the question that I'm going to give them? And can I be consistent with that answer? Cause it really almost doesn't matter which method you use. If you can't be consistent, you're not going to see a shift. I mean, are there any other sort of hard and fast rules um, that we should be thinking about when we're choosing any of these methods. If you don't have a plan, then you're going to be all over the place and you're not, you're not going to be able to follow through. And so there's really two reasons why sleep training works. One is pretty much every book says baby needs to go in drowsy, but awake. And I always want to go, okay, and where's that land? Because by the time you put the baby in there, they're probably just awake now, <laughs> right? And so, but the reality is, is they, they need to be aware of their environment so that when they go through a partial arousal, it is not a shocking thing. They know where they are. And then whatever they use to get themselves to go to sleep, they'll do again. So that's really important. The other part is giving that consistent answer. And that is really based off of a psychological term called an extinction burst. And it basically means this. If you will give your child the same answer to their same question, they will first go, oh, you changed the answer to this question. What's going on? And then they will resolve. And so when you think about the answer you're going to give them, I think you have to really be honest about can you follow through with that answer? And so some of the things that I think keep parents from being able to follow through is one is, you know, if you're wondering if your baby's hungry, I mean, there's nothing worse than in the middle of the night going, mm, is my baby hungry? And that's why they're crying. 
And so I think it's so important that you really get good information from your pediatrician on how long can my child go between feeds? How much should my baby be eating during the day? If you're breastfeeding, I think getting good information from your lactation consultant on your supply and demand and what's working for your child. So before you even start anything, you know what your baby needs. You know you'll be able to follow through because you're not going to question that in the middle of the night. So I think kind of going through and then taking a look at, well, can I really do the tears? And I think you can always ask yourself, if you start at one pace, and you need to go faster, well, there's always an option to go faster. So I think you need to get really honest about what can you do and what can you follow through with. And then I think temperament plays also a really huge piece in all of this. Temperament and personality are different. And so temperament is biologically determined, whereas personality is a product of the social environment. And so your baby kind of comes in with a certain bent. And little personalities, there's, so they have three categories. They call it the difficult child, the easy child, and the slow to warm up or shy child. And I'm going to tell you in my practice, it's really true. The really sensitive children or really alert children are the ones that sleep is so hard. It's so hard for, to get them to, to let go of the information that's coming in and, and to be able to calm and, and regulate. So you really got to take a look at goodness of fit on, you know, what are your expectations and demand of your child? And is that a good fit for your child's development? Because I do find that there's some little ones, if you power up on them, they will power up on you. <laughs> and before you know it, all of a sudden you're in a world of like, Ooh, I'm not sure if this is a good place or not. And if you haven't found the right sleep window in order to implement that answer, so let's say you miss that sleep window and cortisol kicks in and now you're implementing one of these methods, you might find it won't work because you haven't set them up for success with the right sleep windows. So I think, you know, sensitive and effective parenting, it requires the parents to adapt our personal expectations to making sure it's a good fit for the child. So some children, those really very structured methods are wonderful and work great. And some babies, they need to be nudged. It's too hard for them to go that hard and fast. Wow. Now, this is really some great considerations. I mean, I wish that we as parents had sort of a, a checklist where we could, you know, do an assessment of our kids and their temperaments and understand that and then look at our own bents to say, what can we tolerate as a parent? Okay. And then, of course, times two. So... <laughs> Um, so I just want to say thanks to Jen and our parents today. Um, so now be sure to visit our episode page on our website for more information about sleep training, as well as links to additional resources. Now this conversation continues for members of our Twin Talks Club. And after the show, we'll talk about our parents' favorite sleep accessories for kids. For more information about the Twin Talks Club, visit our website, newmommymedia.com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. 
All right, so it's time for a fun segment we have on the show called Annoying Twin Comments. And it's been a while since we've done this segment. So if you're new to Twin Talks, you may not have heard of this segment before. But this is our way of venting of the crazy things that people say to us with our twins or our triplets when we're out in public. And so I asked for some of the most crazy stories that you guys have um, on Facebook. And this is what Jelena had to say. Jelena says, at the grocery store with my two-month-old fraternal boys and a store clerk asked if they were twins, then proceeded to say, I'm 20 and lucky to not have a kid. I responded with, having children is not for everyone. Next, the clerk asked, are you still with the guy? (laughs) I didn't think I heard the question correctly. And she repeated the question, are you still with the guy? In shock, I calmly and quickly replied, yes, then walked away. (laughs) Oh, Jelena. That's crazy. That's crazy that people think that they can just ask whatever questions. Like suddenly because we have twins, we're not going to stay with our partners. Really? It's that bad that we can't even stay with our partners? Um, Okay. So crazy clerk story, of course. Thanks so much for sharing this. I'm still scratching my head going, what in the world was that clerk thinking? If you guys have a crazy story of something someone said to you out in public, tell us. We'll commiserate with you in this whole experience. You can go to our website at newmommymedia.com. Click the contact link and send us an email. You can post it to our Twin Talks Facebook page and also through the website. If you want to tell your story yourself, just click that gray button on the side that says send voicemail. And then that way you can share it and we'll just kind of take that little snippet of what you record and we'll include it in a future episode. Well, that wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Twin Talks. Don't forget to check our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, the boob group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Toddlers, and Newbies are newly postpartum moms. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Hey, mamas. 
Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.